When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Rotoballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 448. We've got baseball back in action, and that means the MLB hot stove is cranking up in a big way, which gives us some fantasy impacts for some of our fantasy teams as draft season. You know, the season's like three weeks away. So we're going to be blowing and going quickly with this one. Again, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, but my guest on tonight or today's early days show to help uh, break all this early hot stove action down. You can find his work over at NBC Sports Edge. He's actually currently on the news desk today. So if we get breaking news, it's coming through. And um, he's also the, the host of the Turn 2 podcast. You can find him on Twitter at, at Matt Williams, uh, but the L's are 7-7. Seven, seven, so keep that in mind. Matt, how we doing, man? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm currently uh, working on the news desk over at NBC. So if there is any live news, uh, we will definitely hear about it because I'm on the prowl currently as we speak. Uh, as we know, I actually just uh, not that this is breaking news. Zach Wheeler actually behind schedule, uh, according to the Phillies. So he may not be not making his first turn through the rotation. Uh, not that that is a huge deal in rotisserie leagues, but if you're in head to head leagues, <laughs> something to maybe keep an eye on. That's a good call. And like I, I, the only thing I saw from that uh 
little presser from the, the Phillies. I didn't read all of it. Apparently I should have, but uh, I saw Zach Eflin is ahead of schedule. Still might not be ready for opening day, of course, but uh, things are looking better there. So that was promising, but that Wheeler one's big. That's real big. So well, uh, the Phillies might be in trouble in general. If, if Eflin's not ready, uh, we know Ranger Suarez has the visa issues. He may not yeah. be ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you to bring back Cole Hamels just to throw, although he won't <laughs> be ready uh, for halfway through the year. So yeah, they're going to, they're going to, um, they might need to move around some pieces here. That'll be interesting to see how they uh, they piece that together. There's always a couple like older pitchers they can get for a, a couple starts or piece together some bullpen games, but uh, we'll see what they want to do if they want to bring up guys or not because they have a couple of pitching prospects. But uh, we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, before we get into the news, uh, I know you've seen it as a Mets fan. Degrom strutting into camp on Sunday morning. So uh, how are the feels? Are we are we confident? Are we nervous? How are we feeling with Degrom? I have no idea how to feel. Uh, he, he looks good. He always does, though. I mean, last year he everyone thought his season was over after he left, like during the first inning, and then he makes his next start, and then he 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 looks dominant, and then he leaves that start, and everyone thinks the season's over. He makes his next start, uh, then he tore something, um, according to Sandy Alderson, and according to Degrom, he's fine, and he's out there today throwing it like letting it fly. Uh, so. I don't know. I wouldn't shock me if this guy threw 200 innings. It wouldn't shock me if this guy threw 50. <laughs> yep. It's going to be, you know, what Twitter is always great for. There's going to be so many hot takes. If I was right, you were wrong. Either way, either way in the spectrum, because I'm with you. That's why I'm so nervous to take that first round pick on. I'm like, the sky is the ceiling, as we know. But uh, it's also that floor is pretty, pretty, pretty deep. So yeah, I mean, a, again, we don't have to get into the whole, like, yeah. injury who told you so stuff. But I don't understand why anyone would ever be, like, actively rooting for a, a pitcher like yeah. Jake Grom to not be on the field. He's, it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so I'm biased, but I don't want to see anyone go down the. We'll talk about Carlos Rodon uh, going yeah. to your Giants. I certainly want him to pitch a full season. You just, you need these guys out there because, you know, it's great for baseball. Yeah, no doubt about it. So let's kick right into that. Carlos Rodon was or has been, for the most part, the biggest signing so far as a kind of surprise to me as a Giants fan. Two years, forty-four million. The the length of the deal, I guess, could give some some hope. There's an opt out out a year after year one, but you know, awesome last year, 132 innings, the most he's thrown since 2016. The strikeout stuff was phenomenal. We saw just so many great things out of a career year from Carlos Rodon, but there, there's still some questions like you know the shoulder. He once again missed time as he's done every single year with that injury. So, what are your thoughts on him? Because we know what he can do if he stays healthy, but that's still a big if at times. Yeah, I mean, fun, uh, literally, if I don't. Even though everyone knows he does well, I don't. There's some people that don't understand how well he almost had a 14% swinging strike rate on his fastball, which is really high for a four four seam fastball. He had like the second highest, I think, strikeout rate in the entire year, 34.6. But uh, my concern with him is 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 not really um, player analysis. It's like narrative driven. Uh, because we're not doctors. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We're not looking at MRIs. And if we did, we wouldn't know how to read them. Uh, but if uh, the White Sox, the team that has known him through his entire career and had him on their team last year during his most dominant um, performance, decided not even to give him a, a qualifying offer, that always scared me away. Like, all right, these guys won't even bring him up on a one-year deal, a team that could certainly use a pitcher like that to put them over the top for, you know, they're, they're hunting for a World Series. And now coming across these signs with the Giants, who, again, from a player analysis standpoint, um, I, that was never a worry. So my rankings on him won't change too much. But if anyone, if I were to trust any team to sign him 
and it changed my view would be a team like the Giants who, you know, have handled pitchers with injury history very well. If they seemed fit to give him a two-year deal, who am I to disagree? But again, you know, the White Sox thing still bothers me. Uh, so I am staying away, uh, not rooting against it. Like I said, I hope he has a full season. I hope he does terrific for, for the Giants. But uh, just like um, my my boy down there in uh, in, in Miami, um, can't think of his name. Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. Uh, shoulder injury every year. It's it's hard to get behind, but he's going late enough, or at least he was going late enough, Rodon, where you could theoretically turn in a profit even in a limited season. But I would think that that ADP is probably out the door now that he's with San Francisco. He'll probably see a sizable bump, as most guys do when they get signed. So I, um, I was out. Now I'm intrigued, but the ADP will probably go forward to push me out once again. So that's probably where I land. <laughs> Yeah, that's been my biggest problem is I was like, I was super concerned because I trusted the White Sox because like you said, they've known him his whole career. So they got to know something we don't know if they're not willing to give him a qualifying offer, which was less than this contract. So it seemed a little goofy to me. But at the same time, like, yeah, I'm not even trying to be biased as a Giants fan. They've done some miraculous things in recent years. Like, I joke about it, but I'm serious. Like, in Farhan, we trust when they just do things that don't make sense to me, he makes it work out. It's like he just he pieces it together in some weird, weird ways. So like I, I have hope and optimism, but um, you mentioned you had an ADP of 130 in the onlines going into this weekend. And I know the onlines aren't what barf is. I'm curious what the other earth drafts have done. I believe you're drafting tonight. No, or we you- actually, we're not to or, uh, turf uh, or is it uh, the turnpike league, which is New York and New Jersey. We don't, we don't draft until the 27th. So okay, we're, so we're well interesting. Behind. You get to get all the news, but uh, yeah, last night there was, there was definitely some uh, aggressiveness. He went pick 81 in barf, which shocked a lot of us. We didn't think it'd be that much of a jump, but um, like talking to Eno, who's obviously got his ear to the ground. He says, you'll see a lot of what the giants did last year. And it makes sense. Cause you look at the rotation. It's Webb who's got a shoulder issue. You got wood. Who's always got injury issues. You got disco. Who's got issues. You have, Alex Cobb, who could have a blister with a splitter in two seconds. It's a great, or it's a really good looking one through five, but there's like a concern with so many of them. The Giants will do what they'll be the Dodgers because that's what Farhan's doing. There will be so many random IL stints just to like let them do their thing. And Eno said, just prepare for it. It's going to happen. That's why they're signing multiple like minor league arms. Like they're looking at the Danny Duffy's, the Matthew Boyd's, like not the world beaters, but guys that can come in and throw like three stars or something. So that's what the Giants are doing. You got to, prepare for it but back to your Rodon point I am kind of in your camp where it doesn't move the needle enough for me to be that aggressive on him because where he's moving up in drafts is another realm of pitchers I like so maybe I'll miss out on him but it kind of is what it is another pitcher I am not drafting at all but I guess it's a good feel-good story is Clayton Kershaw's returning to the Dodgers on a one-year deal and I may be naive but uh, the injury he left with last year not doing anything about it coming back to the Dodgers uh, I'm, I'm quite concerned with uh, that whole setup. So what's your thoughts on Kershaw back in uh, LA? You know, they, they didn't give him a qualifying offer, which was what, 18 million around there. Something like that. Um, yeah. And they, he ends up getting a, a $17 million offer essentially with like in, incentives to do better. So uh, they probably just wanted to wait and see uh, how his elbow looked. And they, you know, with the lock and everything, they were given a, an extra amount of time because no one could negotiate with him. So, I'm assuming they kind of just like were were uh, happy enough with what they saw. So this is essentially a delayed qualifying offer where, you know, it still can be a one-year deal that doesn't hurt them if it doesn't pay off. 
but we know how great he can be. I mean, last year was what the highest ERA of his career and was like 3.55, which is like a career year for most major leaguers. His uh, FIP was still three, even uh, except two, eight, seven. So, uh, he, he is great when he pitches. He missed the entire postseason with an elbow issue. I know there was a lot of people that feared he might need Tommy John surgery yeah. come the end of the year, but uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So um, I, why don't we put it this way? I have a lot more interest in Carlos Rodon than I do at Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. And uh, I would be very surprised. I, I mean, let's just say his, the worst year of his career last year was 3.5 year, five year. A. I, I would bet a lot that this year is the worst year of his career coming yeah. up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, you can't make much into it where the Dodgers are like happy enough to bring him back. It's a one-year deal. They lost Max Scherzer. There's some question marks there with Trevor Bauer. So they they probably just saw it as a, uh, we'll, we'll take a shot. If it doesn't work out where the Dodgers, the, the money won't even hurt us. Yeah, they need a, they need depth is what this feels like to me. And, you know, his ADP pick 179 over the last couple of weeks, like he's going around Marcus Stroman, Sonny Gray, um, another injury risk, Lance McCullers, which is interesting, like Scooble, Wainwright. It's it's an interesting grouping there with Kershaw. Like, would you go Stroman or Kershaw? Uh, I mean, probably Stroman. Uh, again, I, I like Kershaw, but I mean, I, I put very little chance that the, he is going to be um, pitching maybe even more than at, at maybe a half a season. He won't be quite himself. Uh, I'm not actually that huge on Stroman. Uh, I mean, I know he's, he's added those extra pitches to his arsenal to give him a little more strikeout upside, but I mean, he's certainly proven over the last few years to be, uh, durable enough, even though he missed, uh, some of the, the 2020 season. But again, that could have been just by design. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he, he's good enough out there and he'll probably be out there for, for, uh, innings and a decent enough strikeout rate. So yeah, I'd go with Stroman. All right. The last one I'll give you here, cause they're kind of obviously both injured and they're going two picks apart. Kershaw or McCullers. <laughs> Kershaw uh, <laughs> McCullers is kind of a never uh, he's he has he's had nothing but bad news uh, happen to him so far it, it right now here here I, I mean I would really really want neither of them but at least we have good news ish on on mm-hmm. Kershaw on the fact that the Dodgers have decided to bring him back True. for a decent amount of money so at least they feel it's a reasonable gamble whereas the Astros we have no idea because there's nothing that would obviously give us a hint to where uh, he is right now Definitely. All right. This one's for you, Matt. The floor is yours. Your Mets making a big splash. Like I'm a big Chris Bassett fan. I understand all the concerns people have the, the pitch mix and he's quote unquote lucky with certain pitches and all this kind of stuff. I get it. There are, there are concerns, but there's also, he could just be a pitcher. We, we can accept that too. You know, ERA below four for four straight years, below three, one, five for three out of four. Uh, he's been darn impressive. there. decent strikeout race. They've improved over the last couple of years and um, he's going to get you, deep in the game not super deep he's gonna give you six innings or more more often than not it feels like with chris bassett which is huge so uh what are your thoughts here are, are you, you excited about this are you concerned about this what are your thoughts uh no i love it uh he, he was among the league leaders of pitchers that went into the seventh inning uh last year his strikeout rate was like a career best but he has been improving in that area over the last three seasons he's actually been among the best pitchers in the league low key i think he has a top 10 era in baseball over the last three years uh, not overwhelming stuff, uh, swinging strike rate, uh, O swing, nothing that you look there is eye popping. He just, you can't get a hold of this guy's fastball. It's location and, um, and 
in control for this guy. He has one of the lowest Wobas on a four seam fastball, the entire league. I think second only Jacob to Grom last year. Pretty good. So yeah, he's just, yeah. Absolute perfect fit for this Mets rotation. He's a good clubhouse guy. He's going to go out there and pitch. He doesn't have a ton of health concerns, which is again something uh, the Mets do have to worry about. So um, I was uh, I was interested in Rodon as a Mets fan, but I didn't really want to take that on, considering we already have more fair share of injury concerns. So this is perfect. The only concern again for redraft leagues, no one's going to really care about this. They gave up a prospect, JT Jin is the fifth best pro, uh, fifth ranked prospect for the Mets. The rumors were the Mets were not were looking to rebuild their farm system and we're going to be looking to spend money or trade veterans in order to acquire a pitcher. So for one year of Bassett cuz he's a free agent next year, it seemed like possibly a slight overpay, but again, you know, you're looking to go for uh, the owner Steve Cohen who wants to go for the World Series every single year. So there's no complaining here. But uh, they definitely paid to get Bassett in the rotation. But again, I think it's a perfect fit and in in fantasy, great number 3 starter should see a bump up because I think uh if Oakland was going to compete, maybe it's a lateral move, but that's a sinking ship. Fire sale is uh, is underway, so it's good to not be one of the last people left over there. You want to get out. <laughs> Yeah, by the time this re- recording drops, it might actually be like Chapman's gone, Olsen's gone. It's going to be a they, they legit used the word fire sale multiple times on Saturday, so it's it's happening. But uh, yeah, Bassett ADP at one forty in a really fun range of pitchers right now. So I'm curious to see how high he goes. Like he could maybe get you know Gallon's four picks higher. You have all these seven picks higher. Rodon's only ten picks higher. Like he can move up to that Molly range and stuff potentially. I'm not saying he should get a massive jump in ADP because I think he's still going to be similar production wise with the Mets than he was with Oakland, but I think it's a good landing spot for sure. So that'll be a fun one to monitor. Uh, the Jays, they lost a lefty earlier this season, uh, off season, and he, they gained a new one. Might not be a lateral move though, but they, they went and got Yusei Kikuchi on a three-year deal. Uh, Kikuchi gives you innings, gives you strikeouts. He also walks a lot of guys, gives up the long ball from time to time and makes things interesting. Like he'll have starts where he looks outstanding, then he has starts to make you just want to pull whatever last hairs I have out in my head. So it's 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 a rough go with Kikuchi. But what's your thoughts on this on a on a Jays team that the pitchers get better and better with that humidor in there and the the pitching uh, the 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 coaches they brought in they seem to have figured something out. But can they figure it out with Kikuchi? Well, the first thing that most people will probably jump to is that uh, the Blue Jays uh, were the mastermind behind. Uh, fixing Robbie Ray and that maybe they can work out something similar with Yusei Kikuchi, who is a, is an enigma because they paid him a lot of money considering he turned down a $13 million option. He got uh, three years, 12 million per year, although it's, you know, it's front loaded, but the thing with Kikuchi is you look at his, his entire career, the numbers are kind of horrific, like with an ERA over five in his first year, over five in his second year. Then last year he had like a fantastic first half and then a brutal second half. And it pretty much all has to do with his uh, consistency of his velocity. When he's throwing 96 plus, he's kind of an ace. When he's throwing 95 lower, his ERA is like above six. He has a fantastic swinging strike rate on his changeup and his slider. So if he can find consistency, uh, maybe it has to do with mechanics. Who knows if it's just a, maybe he just needs to go two times through a, a lineup and get out of there. Maybe it's a durability thing, but the, the, the hope is maybe the blue Jays can figure that out. Being a left-hander in the AL East isn't maybe the, the greatest thing in the universe, but if he can again, figure out that 
uh, velocity issue, there could be a major breakout coming. And at his ADP, yeah, why not? I mean, although I would, I I don't know where it's going to trend now. I would assume that uh, it's going to be traveling, uh, uh, traveling quite, uh, you know, lower than it has been. But uh, I I would still say it's, uh, it's worth a gamble if you have a low risk team. Yeah, I'm with you because, like, yeah, his ADP was 337, 338 before this deal. We haven't seen a whole lot of drafts since then, obviously. But uh, you'd imagine he creeps into, like, maybe the high twos, give or take, which yeah. by then he's your, what, SP6, 7, depends on how you draft, maybe 8. And that 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 does bring some fun to it because I, I usually drafted Kikuchi in, in the last couple of years just as a, a streamer on my bench type deal or you could pick him up off the waiver wire because he does have those outings where he's really good. The matchups are really good. And I, I like to emphasize, like I said, that the ballpark in Toronto is not what it used to be with that humidor. So it's definitely a more pitcher-friendly ballpark than it used to be. So it could be interesting with Kikuchi if they can figure that out with him. It's a lot about just controlling the walks. Just control those walks, and he can really make things happen because the strikeouts will definitely be there. So fun one to watch. Doesn't break the bank, like you said. Could be a potential. But, yeah, pitching in the East won't be good. So maybe he is a guy you stream when he's facing the Central. Or uh, goes and faces the A's because they're going to have a triple A AAA lineup out there this year. So stuff along those lines could be quite useful. All right. The Twins and the Rangers made a trade on Saturday. We actually got that going down. So we'll start with the first half of this. The Twins, they received Isaiah Kenner-Falefa, IKF, which um, may seem interesting to some because they already have a, a utility guy in Luis Urias. But they apparently want to use uh, IKF. There's a chance he's their second baseman this year. There's a chance he's their third baseman, and JD just DHs. There's a lot of moving parts there, basically. But uh, any any love for IKF? Or are we still in the same boat? It's it's IKF. Uh, I mean, it depends on. It, yeah, in Roto, I mean, in, in Roto, you know, it's it's still stolen bases are a big thing. I don't know really what yep. to make of him because he did bat like 280 in the second half. Um, as much as bad as badly as people say he performed, he still the power was completely gone. Not that he has much pop to begin with. He only stole five bases as opposed to fifteen in the first half. But uh, he he's very versatile, which on a team with a ton of injury concerns, he's probably a good fit there. He's going to go in and play probably most days at shortstop, but he can move around if they need the help. So I think the bats will be there. He goes late enough in drafts, and I don't see his ADP changing much uh, with this trade because with the injury to Josh Young, he was probably playing every day in Texas anyway. Twins is a little better situation for him, but the stolen bases are still stolen bases. So I would say there's still a use for him in fantasy, but it's he's an empty stolen base option like any other one at the back end of the draft. Um, he's a desperation play. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel like. He's probably a guy that you could leave on the – the, the, the waiver wire floor and pick up when you need them. Uh, I guess the flip side of that is uh, they said in the press conference, it's like Yanni Hernandez, Andy Ibanez, Nick Solak, they'll kind of be the pieces for third base in Texas because they're not looking to spend because they say it is Josh Young's deal going forward and he's out for the year, but they want to keep it open for him when he comes back and he's hopefully healthy. Do you have interest in any of those guys? Like, did to be like in a 30 man league? Um, to make it of interest like we saw Solak at times be really good so if he can play outfield third base and play more so every day that could be interesting but do you have interest in any of those uh, options yeah only in a draft and hold where you're dragging yeah. 50 rounds the Andy Abanez, uh and, and Nick Solak and uh, yeah other than that not a ton because if you're in a more shallow league even a 15 team mixed with a you know a somewhat shallow bench there's probably better options that you can at least take a flyer on um, you know like the the like 
if you're looking for like an infielder, Bryson Stott, uh, again, news just dropped that uh, the uh, the manager, uh, Joe Girardi, said he will be competing for the starting job with Didi Gregarius. I'd rather take a shot on a guy like that if he kind of gets the job and takes off. If it doesn't work out, you can cut him. So if you have waivers, there's no reason to take a shot, I think, on guys like this. In a, in a 15, in a draft and hold, though, where uh, you're drafting very, very deep benches, I would say that that's, uh, you, could, you definitely could take a shot there. But in waiver leagues, there's there's no reason, I don't think. Fair enough. Uh, the Rangers, though, they went and grabbed in this deal Mitch Garver, who we know is a powerful hitting catcher. And in the years he's like kind of stayed healthy outside of the 2020 season, but 2018, 2019, 2021, hit 256 to 273, which is pretty darn outstanding for a catcher. We saw 31 homers in 2019. Problem is, is he hasn't played more than 103 games. He's usually in the lower range of that. That's been the downside to Mitch Garver. But when he's healthy or playing, he's effective. Thoughts on Mitch Garver in Texas. Love it. Uh, everyone has already kind of mentioned it already, but yeah, the playing time will be there. He doesn't have one like Ryan Jeffers breathing down his neck for playing time. Texas, he may be the third best hitter on the Rangers uh, yep. behind Seager and Simeon and roster resource hasn't bad in cleanup. So yeah, we don't know about the health concerns, but even if he just sees a modest bump in at bats, he's easily a top 10 catcher. Uh, the 31 home runs may look to like a fluke to some in 2019, like happy fun ball stuff, but not really. If you look at what he did last year and extrapolate it out, I mean, he had a 17 over a 17% barrel rate, like a 50% ish hard hit rate. The power is very legitimate. So uh, yeah, for at a position like catcher, he he's an absolute steal. Uh, if you have drafted him already, probably um, yep. going forward, I still don't see his ADP shifting much because he was, um, appropriately being ranked, I think there was just a large gap in ADP. So I don't see him moving much further up in the actual catcher rankings themselves, just going a little earlier in drafts. Uh, but I still think it's a, it's a really good spot. If you want to wait on catcher, he's a, uh, I think he's clearly should be considered in that top tier where he wasn't. I think there was like a cutoff after like Contreras, Stevenson, Ruiz, and then there was most people consider there to be a shelf. I think Garver maybe jumps to the very back end of that uh, shelf of of uh, of catchers for me. Yeah, it's, um, it'll be interesting, too, because he was going about the same time as Adley Rushman, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, that might change a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, you had the big the big five, and then you had another group of Contreras, Stevenson, Ruiz, and there's like a 40-pick drop to Garver, and then like a 20-pick drop to the next guy. So, yeah, he said he's in that kind of tier of his own. It might get a little closer to the next guys, but I'm with you. It's, I don't see everyone's kind of aggressive on that, that early set of catchers. And then there's like, ah, well, wait. But like you mentioned, Garver, there's a lot to like there. And it wasn't always injuries, kind of what you're talking about in Minnesota. It was the coaching staff there, Baldelli and company, they like to have the defensive guy back there. So it was always Castro or Jeffers or this or that. So it wasn't strictly a, hey, he's hurt. We're not playing him thing. It was a, a weird dynamic there in Minnesota. So. That could be interesting, but <clears throat> speaking of Ryan Jeffers, any interest in him later in drafts and like deeper leagues? Yeah, in deep formats again, this isn't a mixed league thing. Uh, in a two catcher format, sure, he struggled pretty mightily um, last year in his rookie year. Although he had a cup of coffee in twenty twenty where he didn't look bad, but last year he had like near a forty percent strikeout rate. But uh, great defensive catcher, which should keep him on the field. Lots of promise in the minor leagues. So uh, if you skipped out and you waited to the last second on catcher rather than go the Martin Maldonado route where you're just wheeling out like, um, you know, mediocrity intentionally, uh, it would be worth a chance on De on Jeffers, especially since he has the at bats. So 
Uh, if you're in a two catcher league, for sure. In a one catcher league, there should be no reason to uh, go there. Uh, you should always, you should have a probably a better option available to you. I'd hope so in a one catcher league for sure. I'm with you there. Um, the White Sox they made a couple splashes, so we'll start with the first one. A super utility player that I love in fantasy because he's like second base, third base, outfield, just does everything for your roster. And if you're in draft and holds, you were just hoping he lands somewhere where you get playing time. That's still up for debate with the White Sox, but Josh Harrison signed a deal with the White Sox. They already had Larry Garcia, which was kind of the same thing as Josh Harrison that plays all over the place. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Cause I love Josh Harrison. I love the flexibility. If he plays enough, he's a, you know, double digit home or double digit stolen base guy with a decent batting average. Again, depends on the playing time and in, in daily formats, that's cool in weekly formats like NFBC, that could be a challenge at times to get those at bats you're trying to accumulate, but it's a great team to play on, a great offense to play on. Playing time could be the concern. So what's your thoughts on Josh Harrison? Are you are you good with this move? Does it make you want to move him up in drafts? Or are you still kind of like, I don't know where the consistent playing time's coming from? No, I I actually was already uh, heavily kind of invested in him in at least the draft and hold the deep formats because I actually had always assumed he's probably going back to Oakland. That's what I thought too. It made sense. Yeah, I mean, he may be even have batted third there by the time they were done gutting this thing. Uh, But, you know, as as far as most beat writers and the radio in Chicago is concerned, they seem to be indicating that Chicago plans for Harrison to play as their everyday second baseman for the most part. That'd be outstanding. Uh, yeah, being sprinkled out. He's not in any kind of a platoon. So, yeah, that would be terrific. I mean, even batting lower in the lineup, if you're in there mostly every day for for Chicago, that is just a, a great run-scoring machine. And he is versatile enough to move around as well to stay in the lineup even more. So, yeah, that's a it's a good spot for him, even though um, you can easily see them um, upgrading over him. I, I don't think there's a reason to. I mean, I think they signed him as a nice, inexpensive – in um versatile option for their team and they plan on starting him. So yeah, I would, I would move him up because position eligibility is nice. He gives you a little pop, a little speed. He's a, he's a great guy to fill out any team with um, perfect for your bench. Uh, and so uh, in pretty much any format, to be honest, 12 team, 15 team draft, anything. I think he is a solid guy to draft because he will, uh, he'll be able to help your team across uh, pretty much any, uh, any, um, any format. Team Josh Harrison here. I like that. I like the sounds of that because like, I like him too. It was funny. I kept I had him in my queue at Barf, and then I was two picks away when the news dropped, but the guys that were ahead of me weren't paying attention because they were – I was <laughs> not drinking during the draft because I had to drive almost three hours home, but the guys staying close by were, and they weren't paying attention. So, like, it was me, Toby, and Eno in a corner checking breaking news, and it was just like, yep, I'm going to take him with my next pick click it was a, it was i was very happy with that one so we'll see if it pans out uh the white Sox made another move not super fantasy relevant unless you're in a saves and holds league which would be very fantasy relevant uh joe kelly goes to just make that bullpen even scarier i guess um the question is a yes he's probably good in the uh, saves and holds of course but b the news that came out after this new this move from tony la russa says they don't plan on trading craig kimbrell which to me is hilarious but um, what's your thoughts on this White Sox bullpen with Kelly joining the mix? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Tony La Russa had to say that about Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. He's on your team right now. What else are you going to say? What else are you allowed to say? Got to keep in the case, trade value up. <laughs> Casey's still there. I mean, they've made several moves. Kendall Graveman, now Joe Kelly. Kimbrell's gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
yesterday, Tony Roos, it was basically when the, the owner team owner gives the vote of confidence to a, to a head coach or the manager, you know, they're fired. Uh, that's what I think here. They, they keep loading up this bullpen. Kimbrell was atrocious as a setup pitcher. He's not comfortable there. He wants to close. Someone is going to need a closer here. The, the bullpen arms are starting to run dry. After Jansen goes, uh, someone will be willing to pay the price here. So, yeah, I think Kimbrough, if anything, this makes me even more confident. The day they announce he's not going anywhere, I'm more confident than ever that he's leaving. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Have you been drafting Kimbrough at all, assuming he's going to be a closer? Because I've, as sadly enough, I've kind of avoided it, even though I'm on the same realization he should be a closer somewhere. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I have been avoiding it because I, I just rather go another direction. And there is a question mark with him always. I have one share in uh, labor auction. I ended up getting him for only like three bucks. Oh, <laughs> no bad. one that's wanted crazy. him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I had I had Edwin Diaz as my only closer. I'm like, I'll take him as my cheap closer too. So yeah, it would work out nicely. But yeah, I, I think they, they got to move him. There's so many teams that could use his services. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Uh, the... Houston Astros, this was kind of a surprise signing, but I get it. Like, once you sit and think about it, they went and signed Nico Goodrum, super utility. He's played, like, every infield position. We'll play the alley. He'll probably catch if you asked him to. The guy played everywhere for Detroit. And that used to be Letimus Diaz's role, and I don't know if that'll stay the same. Uh, I think Letimus is gone, actually. But um, Nico switch hits, so you don't need the, oh, he can only hit lefties Diaz in the lineup here. And he, we know with enough playing time, another guy kind of like a Josh Harrison light that has double digit power, double digit steals, given the right opportunity. Um, any interest in Nico Goodrum? Is he moving up your draft boards for you? I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of him. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I, I, I considered taking him. Uh, I'm still in the 15 team tout slow draft. And <laughs> it came up to me at the turn when Alex Colomay was signed by the Rockies and I'm sitting there with Colomay and in Nico, I end up taking Colomay passed on Nico because I, I don't think that he plays. I, I, I understand that currently he's probably their best option. I mean, him and Aledmus Diaz are what they have, but they do have Pena who defensively is ready to take over and can certainly earn the job. I think in the end, Nico is probably just going to be a nice multi positional guy for them, which still could have a ton of value with his power and speed. Uh, but, you know, they could easily bring back Correa. They could easily just sign Trevor Story, who was from Texas. So there's so many ways for him to have his value completely deflated. Um, if you are if you are in desperation in a mixed league uh, at middle infield, I could see taking a shot in the in the event that the Astros somehow are not able to upgrade and he earns that position because he would be very valuable and then just cut him and move on. But uh, that we're talking like last round flyer type player. So yeah, it's up in the air. His 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 value is completely tied to what the Astros do the rest of the way. And there's so many avenues that they can take to kind of uh, turn his value into zero. Yeah, I'm with you. So deeper formats. If you want to take a dart late, I could see it. Just know that he could be your first drop type thing. But it could be one of those deals where they just like they don't get lucky. I, I think stories going there, but maybe they just don't get him. And um, you don't get anybody there. And next thing you know, he has a good spring and like, Hey, they're starting shortstop. So I don't think that's the case. Like that's like the like 1% outcome, but uh, you never know. It could happen. So if you're really desperate, go for it. But he's probably more a waiver wire fodder as well. A guy that offensively isn't great defensively, one of the best in baseball. So he makes it tough for fantasy, but the Cubs went and signed Andrelton Simmons. Um, 
Not a big move for, like I said, the offense, but great for the defense when you invested in guys like Stroman and Miley and uh, you know, Hendricks. Like it's really helped your defense out a ton if you're trying to compete a little bit, I guess. But any any love for Andleton Simmons? No, <laughs> I, I liked it when if they had went to the Yankees, like maybe that would have been interesting enough batting in the middle of that lineup. We know that Simmons in the past has been a slightly underrated bat. Um, for how good his glove was, but that was a couple of years removed from that now. And uh, yeah, right now he, he was basically brought in just to be a vacuum cleaner for Marcus Stroman and Liam or uh, and, uh, and not Liam Hendricks yeah. and Kyle Hendricks uh, just to, you know, just to ground balls, ground balls, ground balls and be a defensive presence up the middle. So uh, yeah, in fantasy, there's, there's so many other options, just so, so many, I'd rather have Nico Goodrum. There you go. That says everything right there. Talking about another shortstop that uh, doesn't really move the needle a ton for me, but you never know. Jose Iglesias was signed by the Colorado Rockies. Um, I guess if he plays enough, can get you maybe close to 10 home runs. He's done it once in his career, so probably like six or seven. Steals a couple bags. Hits for a decent average, though, if you're looking for something along those lines. Other than that, nothing too flashy with the Glacius. I guess the bigger conversation is they hate Garrett Hampson. And I get it. The numbers for Hampson don't look great. I've seen it everywhere on Twitter. You can't miss it. But my my only argument is, is he's never gotten a fair shake either. So how can we assume he's not this good? I don't know. But um, what's your thoughts on Iglesias in Colorado? It's funny. Iglesias looked pretty solid with the Angels. And, um, a couple of years ago and a lot of the, it would look, 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 it was like Babbitt driven, but he did improve his barrel rate and hard contact or even though they're low, they were good for him. Uh, and then he kind of, he gets moved around. He gets traded to Boston too late to even be on their, their, um, postseason roster. He's not bad. Uh, a Colorado might be a good place. He could put up like a sneaky high batting average. If he plays that being said, there's certainly more talented players on that team, but it's the Rockies. Yep. They brought him in here just to make fantasy managers sad. Um, so no matter what you decide, I'm sure they'll do the opposite. Here's the thing. I'll take I'll take one player and, and Bubba will draft the other. They will find a way to make us both sad. There will yes. be no winners in this scenario. Uh, I, again, I, I, I can't even say I would go there in a, in a, uh, in a mixed league, not even 15 because there are people that probably have a much better path to playing time. Um, you know, I guess we're talking about like, you know, the, the guys like, uh, like Josh Harrison is certainly a far superior option. There's even guys like uh, Cesar Hernandez, uh, you know, batting towards the top of the nationals lineup certainly would rather him, him as a late middle infielder. What, what about uh, Elvis Andrus? Yeah, I would rather have Elvis Andrus, yeah, who I think late. Yeah, he he's apparently healthy and fully ready to go coming off that broken leg at the end of the year. He'll probably bat at the very top of that A's lineup with Tony Kemp, you know, whatever, the quadruple A, triple A lineup of the A's. But still, top of the lineup is top of the lineup. Brian Reynolds uh, almost scored 100 runs for the Pirates, so anything can happen. Um, so, yeah, I would rather have Andrus, who is assured the at-bats. Yeah, Iglesias, it's just another wrench in the system. Like, at first, you know, and early January, it's like, oh, great, we got McMahon at third, Hamson at short, Rogers at second. For once, we're going to see what this team gets to do with young players. And usually we're used to the outfield getting a, uh, a screwed. Well, this, this changed for the infield. So buckle up, see what happens. Uh, they did make another signing, though. They signed Alex Colomay to a, a deal, which likely puts him as the closer to start the season. Still questions. They had Estevez back there. They've had Bard in the past. They've moved pieces. We know it can be ugly, but saves are saves, Matt. And any interest in a guy like Colomay, who um, – 
I was when I drafted him, it was two hours before he was signed. I was hoping for a better landing spot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before. You had drafted him at the end of Barf, and I uh, this the trade uh, the signing comes out, and I'm like all over Twitter going, "Don't draft, don't draft this guy." Yeah. Unless you're desperate for saves. And then I again, uh, I mentioned the towers draft and hold 50 rounds. Um, I have Lucas Sims who there's like, there's contradicting reports out earlier in the day that he may have some elbow trouble. He says he doesn't, the Reds say he may. Uh, So I'm sitting there with him as my closer too. I'm like, all right, Alex Colmey, I'm on the clock and he just signed. So I, I took him. He's going to close. I mean, yeah. there's no way Estevez is closing. It's going to be it's going to be the Colme show. And he's been working harder to be more of a ground ball pitcher. And God knows he'll need that in Coors Field. You're going to get blowups here. Um, there are worse options uh, yeah. to to close. I mean, everyone is 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 putting so much of their um and you know, their draft capital into the Barlows. I don't think that they are significantly a better bet to turn in higher production than Colome is this year. Uh, Colome could certainly have uh, worse blowups, but yeah, I think Colome, if you just, if you just need saves, um, like you said, and everyone says saves are saves, it could get rocky. You don't want to make sure you're relying on him entirely, but he is certainly someone who needs to be drafted in, in every format. I mean, rotisserie and points yeah. leagues, obviously no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm hundred percent with you. That's why I, I I wasn't the biggest Estevez guy, but he, I know I have some drafts on hold shares of him because he was super late just because there's weeks for saves or saves. You're just going to go for it. You can't predict when the blowups happen because a lot of these closers are – there's a reason why so many are pushed up early because there's either uncertainty or just not great closers. So um, I'll take my chances with Colome, who as, as bad as people say he was, I he had like a 309 ERA the last three years, and he's racked up a ton of saves. So he's shown the goods. I'll take my chances with Colome and see what happens. Uh, the national or yeah, the nationals went and signed Steve Sishik. I wasn't overly concerned with it. You know, you know, I got Deadpool hitter, uh, Rob DiPietro and Vlad going back and forth about this could hurt Rainey and Finnegan. Maybe it could. I didn't think of it that much in, in the first glance. I still think it's a Rainey or Finnegan thing, but Sishik's there. So any thoughts on this Nats bullpen? Uh, not really. Um, uh, this is, I had no interest anyway between Rainey and and Finnegan, and now you bring in someone with a legitimate closing experience. I don't know what that even does. I mean, he's like several years from removed from being a steady closer. He picked up like a few scattered saves a couple of years ago, like seven. But I think he had uh, from when he was like a full time closer. He hasn't done it since like 2018, 2019. He he's not bad. I mean, some people are like laugh this off. If you actually look at his career numbers and he won it last year, he's certainly capable. It's not that hard to be a closer. Everyone kind of always thinks you have to be this dominant pitcher. You just have to have the mindset for it. I mean, all you need to go out and do, remember, like, you know, the, the best pitchers, hitters in the world fail 70% of the time. Uh, so all you got to do is go out there and throw the ball over the plate. So he can get the job done. Uh, if he claims the position, he should be fairly valuable in rotisserie formats. Uh, again, I mentioned the Barlows. If he was Chisek was named the closer, like by the manager, he immediately should be drafted in front of the Barlows, who are going decently early in rotisserie drafts. So, uh, yeah, as, as much of a joke as this is, I want none of them unless one of them is named the closer. And once one of and if uh, if they are named the closer, that has value. And I would say the one I'd have the most interest in, in if they were named, is Chisek because I've seen him do it. And I think that there's a, you know, I think that he has a decent enough chance to get through the season um, as the guy. He's certainly not the most talented. He could be supplanted 
uh, if someone is is just pitching better, which is certainly uh, the case here. But you know, people are paying uh, top dollar for Mark Melanson, and basically, CSEC, if named the closer, would be a dollar store version of Melanson. So uh, it's it's not a, it's not a it's not as bad of a proposition I think people are making out to be. Certainly not a target of mine, but uh, he is someone that you shouldn't laugh it off if uh, if this is a legitimate thing. No, definitely, definitely true. Like I said, I didn't think of it at first. I thought I was like, oh, just another guy. But then seeing guys talk about it, it opened my eyes more to like, He's huh. certainly just another yeah. guy. But just no, another but, but guy your points, your points about the experience and this and that, it, it, it does make a point. But like you also said is, I wouldn't draft any of them until we get some certainty on this one and uh, and go that direction. It's like you're in a draft and hold and you want your darts. Um, the Orioles, they signed Robinson Chirinos to a deal, which now they have Chirinos and Nottingham on their roster. And if anything – the panic that was in, that set in for many is, does this mean Adley Rushman is pushed back? And as much as they wanted to change service time manipulation in the CBA, this could be a chance for service time manipulation with Adley Rushman. So what's your thoughts on, uh, I guess more importantly, what's your thoughts on Adley Rushman's stock going into draft season? I, I, I'm always of the opinion uh, that the, the CBA has done nothing necessarily to force teams to put prospects on the team. Apparently if you, are on your team opening day and they win rookie of the year, you get like up to three draft picks, which seems crazy, but uh, I don't know how teams are going to handle that yet. The one thing for sure is the Orioles can finish in first or can finish in last place without Adley Rutschman. Yep. So uh, they, I think they made this signing in order to give themselves the flexibility to do just that. He will be up at some point in a, but catchers, most catchers outside of like JT real Muto struggle. Look at Ryan Jeffers. We were talking about earlier, 40% strikeout rate almost. Rutschman, obviously, way above him. I'm not trying to compare the two. Uh, but uh, most catchers do struggle early, even if they do come up. So if you tie that into the Orioles probably keeping him down, I'm not really interested in drafting him at all. Um, he's not someone you can keep tabs on or, and pick him up later because someone's going to draft him. You know, There will always be someone who's really high on him because of his upside and his pedigree. But I, I won't be one of them. It's it's catcher. Uh, you know, there's I would rather just draft Omar Narvaez and roll with him uh, later in the draft. Someone like that than 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 take an earlier draft pick on a guy like Rutschman, who I'm not sure when he'll be up and if he's up, if he'll even be effective. Um, you know, come come when uh, you know the end the end of the year. So, yeah, rookie rookie catchers are usually a pass for me, and especially ones that come with a higher price tag. Yeah, I'm with you. I have zero shares. I've just been concerned of uh, how it's all going to play out in Baltimore, and it's starting to play out that way. So we'll see how that one continues to go. Angels re-signed Kurt Suzuki. Are you concerned at all for Max Stassi besides his own personal health? No, nah, not really. Um, okay. I, I, I think that they will. He won't have full-time at-bats like a, an elite catcher, Stassi. And Suzuki is brought in for someone who's going to play. He's certainly going to play. But uh, Stassi is still the guy there. And I think where he's going at the very end of drafts, as a last resort catcher or definitely a solid option in a two catcher lease for your second catcher. That's perfectly fine. So Suzuki doesn't scare me away. Um, no matter who the other catcher was, Stassi was always, always going to get some time off. They just have a better option there now. So I don't think much has changed. No doubt about it. I'm with you there. Uh, Phillies, they went and signed Juris Familia, not the biggest move for fantasy, but what it did do is when they talked about Familia and they didn't talk about how they overpaid for him, but we'll leave that to the side. But, um, they did basically say that Corey Knebel is their anointed closer going into the season. Now that can still change. Lots can change, but they did say that, which um, was kind of the argument for a lot of drafters. Like, do you take the chance early? Cause they're going to go grab a Kimbrel or something. Well, now it looks like it's his job. 
So are you on board with Corey Knable as an earlier pick like he has been going now? I uh, <laughs> No, see, here's the thing. Uh I I I don't believe them that they necessarily <laughs> will acquire another closer. They just signed Juris Familia um who has has decent um experience in that area. I mean, he's basically a mirror image of Hector Neris in the terms of he can be dominant but then he can also blow up. Uh, Knievel hasn't pitched a ton in recent years. Uh, the workload's going to be an issue there. So at minimum, I can't see him being a full-time closer in terms of a guy who goes, you know, back to back constantly and, and gives you that full run. So I think at minimum, he's going to have like a buddy. <laughs> They're going to have a buddy system in the ninth inning. Uh, and until I see Craig Kimbrell on another team, Kenley Jansen, on another team, there's so many other guys still available. I mean, they can even bring back their good buddy, uh, Anderson, uh, Ian Anderson, or not Ian Anderson. <laughs> Boy, uh, Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy uh, yeah. There's a lot of different ways to go. I think Knable at his current price still isn't being drafted maybe uh, out of my range because I think that he is still very talented. But um, I think now that they this quote has come out, maybe he'll be being drafted a little too high. So, uh, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm probably not going to be aiming, uh, this direction because I still don't trust it. Uh, you know, his workload is, uh, on again, I I mentioned this earlier. It's his, his workload. I can't see being what you want it to be out of a top closer and he'll be getting tons of days off. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, uh, I don't think the return on investment will maybe be there. All right, and I I agree with pretty much all that because I I've been avoiding him because I'm just I'm concerned about the the actual workload as well. But it is funny when you look at his ADP around 185, um, going seven picks earlier at 178. Blake Tryon, who technically doesn't have a job yet, uh, you have Scott Barlow who we talked about like he's got the job, but how secure is it at 177? And then um, you know you got a couple like David Bednar is going 20 picks later at Pittsburgh. It's an interesting range for closers, that's for sure. So we'll have to wait and see where Canable's ADP goes with this "quote unquote" anointed closer tag that got thrown out there on a on a late Saturday or Sunday morning, whenever that quote was. Thrown ran, out. Random breaking news before we move on is the according uh, to Lindsay Adler, uh, league sources confirmed that the IL are moving back to 15 days instead of 10. So we should, yeah, we should see a, a little less of this uh, nonsensical um, fake IL stints. Um, this should this should curb that a little bit. Let's hope so, because that did, uh, once we saw that 10 days, it became a joke. But uh, we'll see. We'll see for sure. So that's a good move. That's a good move. The players must have wanted that, which is interesting, because maybe not. I don't know. That's an interesting move. I wonder how that was up for debate, but some other things weren't. Um, That'll be really interesting, because I'm still blown away. They didn't decide on a baseball that they're going (laughs) to use. Like, out of all the talk, that was never decided upon. They've decided to mess with everybody. That's what they've decided to do. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, they, they they talked about doing that uh, with a pre-tack ball, right? The, Which I think is a great idea if they can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, they do it. They do it over in Japan. Do uh, Darvish apparently yep. had a whole bunch of balls he was showing around his Padres teammates? They all loved it. Seems yep. like a great option. So, I mean, I would think they'd settle on that. But yeah, I'm stunned that they didn't settle that already. It's crazy. Yep. Like they don't have a lot of time to go. You think they'd have those balls ready to go? Exactly. They'd be passing them out to everybody, and they'd be using them today. Yeah, they use them in the Olympics. Joe Ryan like like just raved over them. So it was the best thing he's ever used. So yeah, it makes no sense at all. Uh, the last kind of piece of news I have here, besides some rumors, we'll talk, we'll speculate on uh, the Rangers signed Martin Perez again. He's kind of a streamer from time to time, but we've seen glimpses of good. He's going to get innings in Texas. We've seen Texas do things with these older pitchers out of like nowhere. It feels like 
Um, is he just like a draft and hold option? Is he actually 15 team viable or is it just like a waiver wire fodder? I, I mean, draft and hold only. I know no, no uh, reason to draft him in a, in a waiver league, uh, but you could stream him. Uh, we'll see how he looks. He's certainly going to get innings. So yeah, in draft and hold innings or innings, uh, we say saves or saves. That is just a saying innings or innings is like rock solid. At a certain point in draft and hold, it barely matters what the stats are for a pitcher. Uh, at a certain point, if you're in a starting rotation, you have value at a, at a point in the draft. Uh, but yeah, in, in, um, in regular redraft leagues um, for with, with fab or waivers, absolutely not. Um, all right. Let's talk about some rumors. There were some smaller signings that took place on Sunday that were kind of slide by for now, but um, Nelson Cruz, pretty much there's a good chance he signs on Sunday. It sounds like it, Sunday, Monday at the latest, I'd imagine. And it looks like it's a National League team with that DH coming into play. It's pure speculation, but he was going mighty late in drafts for Nelson Cruz standards. Are you on board with moving him up the board now, now that we know he's actually going to be like ready to rock and roll? Yeah, considering we thought he retired like two yeah. days ago. There was a report floating around. Rosetta uh, Stone should be purchased more from certain people. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it's a great time. He's always undervalued, and he got even more – uh, discounted uh, with the very poor showing he had with Tampa Bay. Although there's a lot of rumors out there that he was greatly affected by the batter's eye in Tampa Bay. Again, who knows? I mean, the chances of him just falling off a cliff with age, we knew was, co- we knew was coming and it very much could have been that, but now there's the, 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 the shroud of the batter's eye where maybe it wasn't a big deal, but at where he's going, it's probably worth the risk, especially with the rumors that he may be going like to the brewers. Which would be or, awesome. You know, there's, yeah, that would be such a great spot for him. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there he played so well in the first half that uh, I think that the batter's eye and the being uncomfortable, all that kind of makes sense because the age cliff comes for everyone, um, but it usually doesn't come overnight, <laughs> which it appeared to uh, for, for Cruz. So I would assume that there was just some kind of environmental thing there, and he probably still has a little bit of juice left. He's going late enough. So, yeah, I'll take a shot there. Uh, hopefully you get the landing spot you're hoping for. The ones that have been rumored the most have been looking good. Uh, last thing you want to do is wake up and find out he's been signed by the Marlins, yeah. um, which you know I, I would assume he wants to get out of Florida at this point. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, so what, do you, what do you think? I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean, utility only – Lots of risk, doesn't give you any speed, although he actually did steal some bases last year. Did he steal the game once or something crazy? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll take a shot on Cruz. I will, too. Like, he was going super late, like around pick 170, 180 for a while there. He should at least move up to 150-ish, 140 maybe. Like, it's the util only. It's a tough one. But if you build your roster, fine, you'll be okay. It's not the end of the world because what he brings to your team is tremendous. I will believe the batter eye conversation a bit because Willie Adama said the same thing and we saw how well that turned out when he left Tampa Bay. So maybe there is something to it there. And that building alone probably doesn't like breed let's play baseball. So um that, there's you ever something. been there? No, I I have not had the l- privilege to be at the trop. You can you can be sitting on the third baseline and someone like say something in right field and a fan and you can just hear them. <laughs> someone was like ragging on the like air I, I went a long time ago, Eric Hinsky was like yeah. catching and for like the blue jays or like i think and someone was just like screaming at him from the upper deck and you could just hear him like he was in your ear hey i felt bad for hinsky because everyone heard this and it's just it's such a weird ballpark it's so it's such a weird surrounding 
That's funny. Yeah, no, it's something else. That's for sure. Uh, I wanted to throw this one in here because there's been kind of like some rumblings about it, but as the Mets guy, and I know you're a Conforto fan, um, there's rumors like Colorado and then who knows where else. What are your thoughts on Conforto? Are you are you drafting him, assuming he's going to be landing somewhere that you're going to want to roster him, or are you kind of just curious right now? No, I, I, I've been drafting him. Uh, he he had a lot. Uh, he certainly had a high Babbitt driven batting average in 2020, but uh, last year is certainly not who he is. He has a very he has a decent track track record now of being around a 30 homer bat with a decent enough batting average right now. Where last year he was dealing with. Um, soft tissue injuries basically the entire year. Um, the shift got him a little heavier than it did before. Again, they only, they don't shift on him much cause he can, he can hit to um, different parts of the ballpark, especially in 2020 he started going in the other way a lot. They only shift on him like 60 percent of the time. It's not one of those crazy ones, but I think he's due to regress uh, back a little more in the positive direction. Um, I always assumed he would go to like the Phillies or the Reds or a team, some place on a one-year deal to like maybe reinvigorate his value. Um, there was rumors to go to Miami. That would suck again, but uh, there's plenty of decent landing spots out there. And then you hear Colorado, which I think it's misleading. Everyone's like, you know, Kyle Schwarber, go to Colorado. It's not going to boost the home runs for guys like this uh, for Conforto, maybe because he's kind of a line drive hitter. He'll get a few more, but it, the batting average could be a uh, bump could be huge. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I love, I love Conforto. I think he'll bounce back. Hopefully he'll get himself a nice um, landing spot. There was rumors originally that he might even go back to the Mets. I don't know why that would ever occur. They've since been, uh, I think they said they weren't as, as interested. So yeah, I think he'll end up maybe signing a very short-term deal, probably one year with uh, in a nice hitting environment to boost his value in Colorado, Philadelphia, all those teams like that makes some sense. Yeah, he's got an ADP around 194. We know the dude's got some legit power. If he can get for an average in a good environment, like you said, it'd probably a good run scoring environment to to pad the stats. That's it's intriguing. The more I started to look into him, that he could be one of those. As they talk about Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, like all these free agent outfielders, that their ADP could rise. And Conforto doesn't feel like it's in that conversation enough. But when you look at the rumors and like what you were saying, it's usually Colorado or Philadelphia or Cincinnati. Somewhere it's going to be a boom for him. So. It would be quite also, interesting. Um, anyone in OBP league, because uh, they're yes. getting more and more popular, he is someone that always gets a, a, a nice bump there. Again, he, he's not being respected um, across the board, but um, he's not even getting that bump in OBP like he should. So uh, a pretty decent, I think, um, value slash steal in, a, in an on-base percentage league. Yeah, good call for sure. Let's talk Brian Reynolds. mentioned him earlier in the pod, but a lot of heavy discussion about a potential trade to Miami for Brian Reynolds, and that gets Mike Curlin's juices flowing to get Brian Reynolds in his backyard. But um, like as he's a former Giants prospect. I remember seeing him in single A in San Jose and going, God, this guy can hit. Um, and he's hitting for Pittsburgh very well, showed a little pop even. And going to Miami, that team's got decent offensive talent not great but you throw Reynolds in the mix it still makes it a pretty good team with Avi and Chisholm and um you know I guess you could say Anderson and a few other bats there uh what's your thoughts on Reynolds especially if he moves to Miami I I like him anywhere he produced he produced in uh in Pittsburgh so he could produce anywhere you know that's a pretty cavernous ballpark in its own uh not the greatest place to see him go uh but it's certainly going to be a better lineup and a better team and um so you know, scoring 93 runs in and driving in 90, 90 RBI in Pittsburgh will only translate well over to a much better team in Miami. 302 he batted, other than the monster outlier season of 2020 when he batted 189. 
Uh, he has never batted below 302 in his entire life. Last year was the it was the lowest batting average he ever had in the minor leagues. It was like 302, 314, 312, 367, 317, uh, and he doesn't strike out much. He he he, he typically is hovering around a double digit walk rate. And besides the great plate discipline in the second half last year, his ISO and hard contact metrics were like kind of cruising upward. Um, I did one of my player threads on him and I actually can see Miami not being the greatest spot for this to happen. I would hope that he goes somewhere else, but um, he has the ability to hit 30 home runs because of the contact, the kind of contact and the plate discipline he has of chasing fastballs uh, that he could have that kind of power in him. Um, where it, you know, you, you look at, uh, all of his like middle of the road metrics and you may not see it, but you know, kind of the way Jeff McNeil used to generate power a couple of years ago before he started to struggle, um, good hitters just know how to hit the baseball and he's one of them. So, um, not only do I believe in him, um, regardless of the ballpark, but I think that, uh, there is another gear we have yet to see, especially if he lands on a better team. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really curious because, the talent, like you said, is legit. Uh, we'll see where it goes. And it is funny kind of saying that um, the Marlins are a better team than Pittsburgh, which is sadly true. That's where we're at these days, folks. So um it'd be fun to see how that plays out. Seiya Suzuki is apparently narrowing things down to the Padres, the Giants, maybe a couple other suitors. He was spotted in San Diego on Saturday. That was the big news. But he's been hanging out with you, Darvish, quite a bit as well. So there's a lot going on there. He's got some talent. He's ADP 210 right now. That'll obviously skyrocket once he has a home. But uh, have you have any interest in Seiya Suzuki? I haven't been targeting him because I am mainly a numbers guy and not much of a uh, put a lot of time into scouting. So I I know the information that everyone else does essentially on Suzuki. I've seen video. Um, I do not know how to properly transfer that kind of production over into MLB because I mean, no one does so the, you know, the, the b- boom and busts vary um, from, you know, imports from those leagues and uh, you know, projections have him, most of them batting around the two fifty to two sixty area um, with a limited, with limited plate appearances or the ones like zips giving him like a full-time uh, a full-time role only have him batting you know, like 14 home runs and six stolen bases. Uh, fan graphs, uh, the the depth charts have him batting 280 with 27 home runs and 10 stolen bases. So you can just see the, uh, the even the projection systems don't know what to do with this guy. I would assume wherever he signs, because he has the pick of a lot of teams, he'll get the playing time. So that doesn't necessarily worry me. Um, so I would say he seems like a decent gamble to take. I just never know when in the draft to take the bet. It's like someone just decides all of a sudden, okay, I'll take him, you know, cause he has like a really high min and max pick. There's no appropriate space to take him. So yeah, I haven't been targeting him because it's a question mark. And usually um, when I do my player evaluations and I'm building a team for a roster construction standpoint, if a player has too many question marks, I usually just erase them from my board. And that's what I'm doing with Suzuki. Um, I, you know, there's a chance I end up with a share here or there. If he happens to fall and I don't like my other options, like, Hey, I'll just take a shot here. But more often than not, I'll just take a more known quantity. No, that's fine. That's totally get it. I think I have like a couple maybe shares of him in draft and hold leagues, but I haven't been like going out of my way to go draft him. Like I know other people are, cause that's been the biggest thing is transferring the, the Japanese success to the bigs. Not many have done it outside of Ichiro Suzuki. So it's like, it's very tough. This guy, uh, Seiya's young. 
Um, he's supposed to be very good, very, very good. So we'll see how it pans out. But even took Shohei a little while to get comfortable and crush baseballs. So there might be a learning curve for sure. I think going to maybe uh, the Padres where you can hang out with you, Darvish, wouldn't be a bad thing for him. That would help a nice transition type thing. Because And then in San Francisco, has got a big Japanese culture as well. I got to why a lot of team or guys kind of gravitate that direction. Seattle's obviously been able to do it pretty well too. So um, we'll see where he lands. That ain't going to be a big part for his comfort level, which might help with his success as well. But that's a lot of speculation, of course. We'll have to, to see how that all that plays out. Don't sign in San Diego, man. Look what they- they did the Hey Sung Kim. It's all a lie. They promise you playing time, and then they see yeah. you on the bench. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you look at that team. They got they got Will Myers and Grisham, and um, they could play a bunch of people in that outfield still. So yeah, they got a lot of pieces in play there. But they're also rumored to be looking to trade some catchers and, and whatnot. So we'll see yeah. how that pans out. Um, rumors are Chapman and Olson could be traded soon. They might trade more guys in Oakland. Um, I, I didn't really put it specifically on the outline, but. When you go on roster resource, it was a fun exercise last night trying to figure this out. There's a lot of openings potentially in this roster. Are they great openings? No, like yeah, Tony Kemp out there. Seth Brown might get some more love. Chad Pender's going to get a bump. Maybe Eric Thames gets a chance. Are you interested in any of these potential guys that might benefit from the A's just gutting their roster? Because it, they're going to get playing time, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I we already I already talked about uh we are I mean you talked about we thought Josh Harrison would be going back to absorb absorb a lot of these at bats and that's not the case. So now I'm looking at guys like Nick Allen to be brought up um yeah from AAA. He you know, he did fairly well. Um he uh, you know, he, he as decent uh speed guy, he gives a little bit of pop, but again, there's not a lot of a lot of data there. He had 151 plate appearances in AAA. Got a 243, no home runs and four stolen bases. So uh, who's to say how he'll adjust to the majors? Because they say right now that, you know, there's a huge gap between the uh, talent level and the difficulty between AAA and the majors than ever has been. So there's not necessarily anything you can count on there. Um, with everyone leaving in the kind of the DH spot, um, maybe being a little more open, I, I'm, I'm interested in a guy like Seth Brown, who has been more of a, a platoon bat who I think they may have to lean on more, uh, who has like a ton of power, who can hit 30 plus home runs easily. I think if they, uh, if they give him the opportunity to be out there on an everyday basis. So I think that uh, maybe a person like him, uh, Chad Pinder, you know, he, he can move around. He, he's someone that'll certainly be uh, soaking up a good amount, um, a good amount of at bats as well. I don't know what they plan on doing as far as replacing these guys. You'd think they may be on the scrap heap, to sign guys but again the guys i thought they'd get like the jose iglesias yeah. in the world and stuff they're kind of signing everywhere else so yeah they, it, it's it's possible what you see is what you get i mean they signed eric Timms. maybe he's yeah. starting every day for these guys who knows yeah, people made fun of me when i tweeted that out when he just i was half joking as well but like oh he's not like, the a's are gonna open up roster spots guys like this is happening <laughs> expect yes. it <laughs> oh yeah, T- Tim's. I mean, I, I would expect him to be on the major league roster yeah. for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I Tony Kemp. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I've been talking him up a while. Uh, yeah. There's some very smart guys, especially uh, people like Scott Jenstead over on the Reuter Wire podcast. He's an A's fan. He does not like Tony Kemp because he watches him on a daily basis. He says he has like less power than like you know a, a plastic fork, but he has like over a ninety percent Z contact rate for his yeah. entire career. And he has amazing plate discipline and he's going to bat probably lead off for a major league team. And he's got some speed. 
Sign me up for that. You know, I said second base outfield eligible too. You get multiple positions. Said Brian Reynolds, 90-90 for the Pirates. If you're batting at the top of a major league lineup, you are valuable. Um, so yeah, Kemp doesn't need to be a superhero. He just needs to play. Yeah, Tony Kemp was a guy I was taking uh, in a lot of drafting holds. I think he's a great value for what he was doing in that team. Just for like you said, he's going to get playing time. He's going to play. They have no reason not to. I think they even gave him a little extension or something. Like he's got, they're going to they're going to keep him out there. The fun debates like Tony Kemp versus Cesar Hernandez because Kemp will steal more, Hernandez probably more power. Like which one do you go with? <laughs> what the hell happened to Cesar Hernandez? By the way, steals steals every year of his career. Yeah. Great option. Um, goes to Cleveland. Zero. But then power everywhere. What the heck happened? Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, Cleveland just trying to ruin people's souls one one player at a time. That's what they do <laughs> so well. Um, but on that note, Matt, I think we'll wrap it up. There's going to be a lot more action. You know, we still have the Freemans and the Correas, and there's so many guys out there to sign. Probably some more trades. Um, the A's are going to sign a bunch of scrubs that are actually going to have fantasy relevance because they're going to have to fill out a rotation. It's going to be an interesting. Um, interesting few weeks here as we get spring training games starting up next week which will be a lot of fun baseball is less than a month away like it's like three weeks away now so it's going to be blowing and going hopefully your tout wars draft ends in time because i heard that's been fun um but final thoughts as we have like our first weekend of news and baseball's back uh if you're in a slow draft nobody likes a news hawk when it comes to slow drafts but there is nothing wrong especially right now, if you're in one with so much information happening of paying attention and maybe taking a little bit of extra time to make sure nothing weird is going on. Uh, I'm not talking about, look, you know, you don't want to wait around for an injury, but you do want to wait around for like little pieces of information. Uh, So, uh, you know, that's going to be happening right now. And even if you have a draft coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, you want to usually ignore what managers uh, and GMs are saying, because you never know what information they're trying to convey out to, to alter trade value or just to pat their own players on the back. But, uh, you know, small piece of information today, like Dave Dombrowski came out and said something about how the Phillies may be looking into platooning, but went out of his way to talk about Matt Veerling um, multiple times on how they like his ability to play center field. You look into that and you're like, okay, no matter what they do, they it seems like they're probably looking to get this guy involved. Um, and you know, he's a kind of a sleeper for a lot of sharp players out there. Uh, so, you know, little things like that, you know, just try to read, read between the lines here because there's a lot of free information to be had, even though some things don't look obvious. So, uh, yeah, just keep your ears and eyes open. There'll be a lot of moving parts here, especially obviously in bullpens, but, um, it's a fun time. There's so many videos being posted this morning of your favorite players showing up. Uh, we saw one, this one of Starling Marte jumping in a bullpen cart, heading into spring training. It's very cool. So uh, everyone put a smile on your face. Baseball's back. It is definitely back. And we're gonna have a lot more content coming from me and from Matt as Matt's got the two turn two podcast cranking up over there and all his work over at NBC sports edge. So make sure you follow him on the old Twitter there at Matt Williams. That's Matt M A T T W I seven, seven, I-A-M-S. And Matt, as always, thanks for joining me, my friend. Thanks for having me on. No problem. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 448. Catch you guys next time.
Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.